You know, Matt McConkey, yeah. Jensen Carp has been doing his show, Get Up On This, Here, Dear Wolf, for over 300 episodes. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a show where he invites somebody in and, uh, and the guest, uh, well, everybody, uh, tells the world about something that they should get up on. Oh, you know? okay. So, like, something cool that they know about that they don't think anyone else knows about. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're, they're bringing new, exciting entertainment to the world. Can I tell you who his guest is Please. coming up? Uh, Method Man. <gasps> yeah, the Method Man. He's going to talk about his music career, his television appearances from The Wire to The Deuce. Also the debut of Drop the Mic, a show that Jensen created and is co-executive producing on TBS. Whoa. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. I've got it's, to get uh, up on this podcast. Yes, you do. You really should. I was on it. I don't even remember what I told the world to get up on. It was that long ago. Wow. I got to get back. Uh, Check out Jensen's conversation with Method Man on Get Up On This. You can get it on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Airwolf.com, basically anywhere podcasts are available. And you should also check out his new TV show, Drop the Mic, which comes out October 24th on TBS. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dave. How are you? I'm spooked. Are you really? I'm so scared. I mean, I guess it is that kind of, it is the season. It's the time. Of spookiness. I mean, uh, upon release of this episode, all of West Hollywood is just, you know. Shirtless? Yeah, shirtless. With wings on their back? Completely blacked out. Uh-huh. God bless each and every one of them. Yeah, terrific. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing, you know. Which uh, early 1990s uh, brief pop star makes an appearance <laughs> mm-hmm, on a stage in the mm-hmm. middle of West Hollywood? It could be uh, it could be an Amy Lorraine. It could be what? it could be um, a, a Black Box. Whoever's in Black Box now. These cuts are so deep. I don't even know these words you're well, saying. People at home are rejoicing. Uh, do you have any uh, costume ideas? You know, I had one. Well, I mean, I. I am uh, a big fan of the cheap costume. The, the costume that sort of says fuck you to Halloween. Like, uh-huh. I'm still doing it, but I'm not really doing it. Like, yeah. for example, I was uh, Clark Kent for 13 years in a row. Okay. Which work. is the lamest go- – you've seen it a million times. It's like you wear the Superman shirt uh-huh. and then the stuff over it and yeah. the glasses. Yeah, and some glasses. And um, that was like – it was similar to my Jenner, Jennifer Aniston thing where it's like I don't even know how – it's. I don't even care about Superman or Clark Kent or anything. And uh-huh. I, it was just kind of like – the doing it for the sake of doing it, you know, yeah. and um, in the face of all of the, the haters, which sure. there were none really, but a lot of just a lot of friends kind of rolling their eyes you, at it. Yeah, you approached it in a, in a defensive stance. Yeah, okay. it's like in in improv, there's the um, rule of I think it's the rule of thirty seven or something, where it's like if you do something three times, it's funny, of course, but then mm-hmm. more than that, it's not funny. But you keep doing it to thirty seven times, and it's hilarious, right? I think I approach things with that mentality. Okay, that's fair. Has that uh, borne fruit Never. at all? Not no. once. Okay, um, very good. What about you? I have had two costume ideas my whole life, and I've uh-huh. recycled them each roughly five times. Oh, okay. Um, uh, first was Man from Bathroom Doors. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, like when you go to like oh, a— Oh, bathroom, literally bathroom. I thought yeah. this is another band that I— <laughs> No, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so just like uh, a black uh, basketball— put on my head with eye holes and then just black clothing. You can also be oh. like man crossing streets. You can be, you can be, it's, it's a versatile kind of a costume, oh, okay. but just generic man. But it actually sounds a lot more like labor intensive. Not than, really. No, no, you just got to cut a hole in a basketball and put your head in it. Oh, okay. 
It's not that hard. Uh, and then um, a few times since I moved out to Los Angeles, this is going to be a local cut, Juan Jose Dominguez, the uh, the lawyer on the backs of L.A. buses, who if uh, you have accidentes, okay. yes. he, will, he will get you <laughs> – he will get you paid. So, out. what does that costume involve? That involves a mustache uh-huh. and a printed thing that says "Accidentes" that <laughs> wow. I just wear. It's wide. And yeah. then, are you doing a character? I'm not doing accident? a character because yeah, no, yeah. that, that, could, that could go wrong. Into, yeah, that yeah. could get problematic real quick. I was thinking this year about if I even do a costume about doing uh, the about being Ross Geller from sure. Friends, Great. which uh, is very easy because all you have to do is wear like kind of a not that cool shirt sure. that looks like which is everything I own uh-huh. and you um, use a, a, a sharpie to paint to draw on your face remember the episode when they go to Vegas and they get drunk and uh-huh. uh, Ross and Rachel draw on each other's faces yeah I don't know if I saw that one what yeah this is the episode where they accidentally get married I mean spoiler alert but they got married in yeah. Vegas yeah okay um, okay and so they um, drew on each other's faces so you literally just write the word Ross in sharpie on your face as if you were like you know passed out in a fraternity or something. Okay. And like kitty whiskers. Sure. And you hold a drink and you stumble around and act like you're kind of drunk. Uh-huh. Then you That's do need fun. a woman to be Rachel, but that might be Faye, my dog. Oh, interesting. That's oh, she thing. would look so good in an Aniston wig. In a Rachel wig. She already has fantastic. The, the tawny sort of tan, yeah. you know, coloring to her. Yeah. So I, think the, I've got. I think the only person who is less into uh, Halloween than I am is the uh, the woman who runs the uh, reception desk at the place where I had my taxes done <laughs> a couple of weeks ago because mm-hmm. I got an extension and then I pushed that to the very last uh, minute yeah. and so I went out and she had one of those like motion sensor like raven things or like a spider that yells at you or whatever <laughs> yeah, so yeah. literally anytime anybody moves a finger uh-huh. it gets activated and it's like a foot from her head and so I was having a quick conversation with her and it just it screamed at me like five times in the course wow. of a minute and I and I just like I I kind of got real with her for a minute. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Wow. <laughs> like really stretched to the limit. And she's still got another week to go. She's going to be hearing that like 20 times a day, yeah, all day. Forever, oh, forever. No. Not a huge fan of Halloween. Although I do love giving out candy. We get hundreds of trick-or-treaters. Yo, yeah, you have a great neighborhood for trick-or-treating. Yeah, we really I do. I feel like I'd like to come there for trick-or-treating. Yeah, please. Yeah. Do. I mean, come. Like we always have people over and we give out candy and whatever. And then we're, we're way too generous at the beginning mm-hmm. because it's kind of sparse at the beginning. So everyone gets a big handful mm-hmm. of fun-sized bars of some kind. Yeah. And then the, when we think it's over, then the teenagers Well, the come. word has started to spread. The word has spread. Cool house. This yeah. is a good house. So people got to run to CVS. We're getting, you know, mm-hmm. we're getting whatever's there. There's it, a lot of smarties are involved. And, uh, and, then it, and then the teenagers come. And typically not in costume. They're just kind of there. Can teenagers just walk around they and can ask just for candy walk out around. of costume? They can just walk around, yeah. That's unacceptable. Yeah. In fact, one kid came and he was like, he was just, he was dressed kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just, we were teetering into the, the area where it was like teenagers. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and I went, Ooh, are you Tyler, the creator? And he was like, yeah, sure. yeah we'll go with yeah, that. Does yeah, that yeah. result in me getting candy? Then yeah, I'm Tyler, the creator. <laughs> so that's the game you start to play when the teenagers come around is just like yeah. name, project an idea onto them. Yeah. yeah. Give them a costume. I'm enriching their lives. Wow. Uh, do you have any Halloween traditions? Well, I do. I am a big fan of a film that I'd love to talk about today okay, called Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's okay. Revenge. I think the only one in the series I've ever seen. It is – I mean, well, first of all, you must see the first and third as well. Really? Why? Because they're they're legitimately good. Part 2 is not legitimately good. But actually, I would like to bring in a voice memo from a, 
a correspondent in the field who uh-huh. will uh, set this conversation up for us better than I ever would. So this is a little uh, voice memo that Lewis Peitzman, a uh, friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's a, a gay internet oh uh, notable personality. Genius. Genius. Our, our guest is clasping her hands to her heart right now. As we that all is the, are. That is the reaction. That's the Lewis gets. reaction. So this is uh, Lewis is going to break down the film for us. Okay, so Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, is like not the most beloved Nightmare sequel, which makes sense. It's not a great sequel to the first movie. Um, it is an amazing movie in its own right. Like, amazing being a relative concept. Basically, um, the main character of this movie is Jesse. Uh, he's a dude, which is, like, different from these movies and most slasher movies. Uh, and he moves into Nancy's house, Nancy being the final girl in the first movie, and starts to have nightmares about Freddy. But, you know, in most of these movies, it's about Freddy trying to just, you know, kill teens or whatever. Uh, here he's trying to enter Jesse's body and it's exactly as gay as it sounds. There's just a ton of like homoerotic subtext throughout. Jesse has this frenemy Grady that he's like clearly in love with. And also there's a gym coach who goes to leather bars and no joke gets his bare ass towel whipped by like a sentient towel. It's, I don't, it's unclear. Anyway, there's a lot of debate. There's been a lot of debate over like how intentionally gay the movie was, um, with the screenwriter, uh, David Chaskin basically lying about it until recently and admitting that, of course, this was not like happenstance that it's the gayest movie ever made. Um, meanwhile, Mark Patton, who played Jesse in the movie, uh, was basically run out of Hollywood for being a big homo. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a tragic story. Like he's doing well enough now, but the movie definitely traumatized him for life. And he has a lot of like Freddie related issues. Um, for the rest of us, though, it's this like fascinating time capsule of 80s gay cinema. It's very much about the closet and internalized homophobia and the fear of AIDS. But, like, in a fun way, because it's a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, uh, I love it. And if my legacy is being the expert on this movie, um, I will die happy. Wow. Thank oh, you, Louis Peitzman. You thank you, Louis. I love to hear smart people talk about horror movies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Especially they, this one. Yeah. I mean, they just are able to frame it in such a way that I never could. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that in, uh, like, at a, not a sleepover, but it was like a, like a co-ed party. Maybe one of my first co-ed uh-huh. sort of gatherings. I was mm-hmm. maybe a sophomore in high school, freshman, sophomore. And, uh, and we all went to this girl's ho- house, <clears throat> excuse me, and we watched it. And, um, and I remember, okay, my thing about horror movies, especially slasher movies of the eighties is this, I never got scared. I always got sad wow. because I always felt like it's these beautiful young people with such yeah. promise. You know what I mean? Such bright futures. And I thought about their parents finding out what's happened and just being like, we, you know, we put, we gave her so much and uh, look what it's come to. Like I, it it made me feel like I felt despair. I didn't feel scared. This one, I felt sad and weird and turned on in a way that I couldn't quite identify because there was the relationship between the lead guy and the other one who was this beautiful boy who was – I think he was in Weird Science also. Yeah. He was like Robert like Downey Jr.'s friend in yeah, Weird yeah, yeah. Science. He was like the sort of beautiful villain boy in yeah. a bunch of movies and then he disappeared. And he's, no he's he running went. around in like you know 80s short shorts all sure. the time oh. and – He's uh, he's like in bed, the, 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 the like hunky friend Grady at one point, and uh, Jesse um, bursts into his room and he's like, you got to help me. you got to help me. Yeah. And he's like, you got to just watch me sleep. He like begs him to just let him watch him sleep. And yeah. And this weirdly like intimate, lustful scene. And he even and – the, and the way that they basically beat Freddy, which is – like so clearly a metaphor for his gayness um, is through the love of a woman. 
they do they have like an exorcism of his they they basically pray the gay away and that's how they beat Freddy. I have to watch this movie again. It's I have to watch it again. Incredible. Okay. I urge you all to watch it and then we'll do uh, Homophilia Movie Club. Absolutely. Homophilia Spooky Movie Club. I'm, so, I'm about 150 pages into our Homophilia Book Club oh, selection. Heartbreaking. It's so good. The Line of Beauty, if you're not reading it, get on board. We'll, we'll do an episode where we, we fully dive into that. Mm-hmm. That'll um, be a bonus one. Yeah. For super fans. Yeah. We're going to take a little break, but we'll be right back with a very special guest. We are back with a guest that the Earwolf office was uh, just losing their shit over, frankly. We can call it a buzz. Uh, Yes, that is putting it mildly. We're here with uh, actress, writer, goddess, Mara Wilson. (laughs) Thank you very much for introducing me that way. Thank you for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. How are you this Halloween season? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I, you know, and I was just thinking that I I think I was also the kind of person who was, who felt bad in horror movies. I felt really sad. Uh, especially like when like when Rose McGowan's character died in Scream. Oh and, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was the worst. Yeah. Uh, I yeah that and uh, and I've always been kind of yeah I was always a little too scared. I think you know I love Halloween, but I recently realized that I have this pattern in my life where uh, I've I've always been a perfectionist, but. I'm kind of a lazy perfectionist. So if I can't do something like perfectly and over the top, I just don't do it at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like my, my engineer father was always like, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good. You know, just yeah. you got to You just got to do a good job. But I'm always like, if I can't bother put, putting together the perfect Halloween costume, why even bother? Yeah. yeah I'm a little bit that way. Yeah. So yeah. I either go all out or I do nothing. Or you stay home. So, yeah. I, I actually – I love giving out candy. I have, like, chased down children on the street to give them candy. <laughs> I was, like, 15 at the time. Oh. But another time – another time none came to my door when I was living in the apartment. So I just went out where all, like, the businesses were yeah. in New York and just, like, sat on the corner, like, handing out candy. And you could see parents being like, who is this 25-year-old woman <laughs> yeah, yeah, handing yeah. my children yeah. candy? And I was like – it's packaged. It's fine. You can check it. I haven't poisoned it. I just want to yeah. see your children happy, yeah. which is weird. I, I acknowledge now. I'm like, okay, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Do you also like to uh, judge the politeness of the children? Oh, that's I a, sure do. that's a good question. I, yeah. I mean, I like all kids and I'm very, I, I like most, most kids. I've always been good with kids. So I, I, uh, and I'm, I'm the best aunt in the world. Uh, but I, I think that there's definitely, like a lot of times I'm a lot more forgiving with kids. I think that sometimes I'll be like, really, is this what your parents are teaching you? Mm-hmm. Um, although sometimes it's not the parents' fault. Sometimes it's just children. I've worked with children long enough to know that like most children are wonderful. But every now and then there's one who's just sort of naturally got, you know, just, just not, doesn't have problems or anything. He's just, just acts like a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I am surprised. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it's an LA thing or just a 2017 thing. I mean, but you know, all my friends have kids now. And so I've started doing the thing where like I go over to their house for Halloween and we're, yeah. we, we go trick or treating with the kids yeah. essentially. And the, the adults are like, you know, drinking in little to go cups while the kids trick or treat. But everyone is accompanied by their parents. No one is out there without their, except for those Naughty teens that sure. come in a Dave's neighborhood, but uh-huh. I mean, weren't weren't you as a kid off by yourself? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was very little, for sure. Yeah, my dad was around, but then yeah, then it was groups, then it was roving groups. 
of kids I would in say costumes. Probably, yeah. probably when we were probably about too big to go trick or treating anyway, <laughs> we yeah. were we were in groups. Like in middle school, we were in groups, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's when we stopped going trick or treating. And then sometimes it would be me and my sister, and one of our brothers. But usually, I mean, I had overprotective parents for several reasons. So yeah, yeah, I do think yeah. A lot of times, I do think that one of my brothers, one of my older brothers, would get with me. They that's you know a great thing when you have that's older a cool siblings. Way to do it. Is you yeah. can just kind of you know you can you can. Uh, Rely yeah. on them. They're the Rely default on them. guardian. I remember one of them had a had a flashlight that had a siren on it, and so we like pulled a prank by going up to like the bar that was on the corner and uh, playing the siren, yelling "Everybody get on the floor!" and then running away. <laughs> Did it work? The, the, the child police are here. Exactly. <laughs> Did people react? Well, my brother, my brother was a teenager. His voice had changed. You know, yeah. um, we don't know because we ran away. <laughs> I would have been. Scared. But he made it into yeah. this big thing, and I was afraid we were going to get like get arrested or something. Yeah, yeah. you're going to start like another stone wall. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, we were we were a little bit worried about that. Mm-hmm. I think I had this uh, one traumatizing. Speaking of like going in groups when it like it was like early high school and was one of the first times that sort of a group of friends that I was kind of trying to get into invited me on, you know, like trick or treating with yeah. them. And I, and so, um, this girl's mom was driving us in their giant blue van and I was, I think a scarecrow. And so my sister who had horses gave me a pitchfork to use or a shovel or some tool that was like my, you know, thing that part of my costume, uh-huh. but like, so I'm having to get in and out of this van with a giant <laughs> pitchfork uh-huh. that fully smelled like horse shit. And yeah. so everybody that I was trying to like get in good with, every time I get in the van, is like, oh, get the thing away from me. It's yeah. like, like heavy and cumbersome. And yeah. It should be sterilized before it's around actual yeah. human beings. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was I always did better with older kids mm-hmm. generally. And uh, and there was a group of kids who wanted to like go out and do pranks on Halloween night, like after the the trick or treating had stopped. Yeah, and so like I convinced my parents to let me hang out with the with the older kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they wanted to do was uh, this kid Kevin, who was like three years older than me. He had a bottle of uh, shaving cream or a can of shit, whatever, whatever <laughs> shaving cream comes in. Yeah, and uh, and was going to spell and did spell out on the street in huge shaving cream letters, honk if you're horny. Wow. But he did, it was honk if Y-O-U-R, horny, which even when I was like nine years old, I was like, you guys, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. You, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, U and R, working together. If you're going to do it. Yeah, can do it. Do it. And uh, and so I voiced that and everybody, even people who I know in retrospect knew that I was right, mm-hmm. took Kevin's side because wow. he was the older one and whatever. And you can't let like the kid get the best of you no. in like a spelling contest or whatever. So it was, I remember in that moment just being like, okay, Halloween is kind of shitty yep. and there's some, uh, some battles you can't win. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's cool to be dumb, but you know what? Fuck those people. Fuck those people. I remember my dad saying that when my one of my my brothers was like a toddler, some some like rowdy teens uh, scared him on the street and like mm-hmm. smashed pumpkins and just like were like causing like we're just just being asses. And then they got into their car and drove away. And my dad, uh, I mean, he didn't report them or anything, but he knows what their license plate was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few weeks later, he was driving downtown and he saw that same car had been rear-ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! And he was like, oh, "I guess that's karma, you know." Wow. <laughs> Instant justice. 
love yeah. It. So, love Mara, it. you're not a horror movie fan, I, I take it. I'm, I'm not. I like some horror movies. I like over-the-top horror movies. I love suspense. Uh, I like horror comedy. I like, uh, yeah, I like silly horror movies. I like campy horror movies, yeah. for sure. Um, but I'm not good with, with sudden being suddenly startled, and sure. I do have that, like, weird empathy thing where I'm just like, I just feel bad for them. Yeah. So, uh, I, I wish I could be, because all of my friends love horror movies. Really? Yeah, all of my friends love horror movies, and they're always usually, like, the gentlest, kindest, kindest people who do love horror movies yeah. and I wish I could I, I like a lot of classic horror movies and and but I can't like slasher movies I could never get into oh, God, and no. torture porn couldn't get into and no. yeah all of that and and it just never appealed to me yeah, yeah I think if you d- have protective parents it does weirdly form your relationship to that kind of stuff yeah. as an adult because I my parents never monitored that kind of thing so I was watching like slasher movies when I was way too young well I, I grew up in like several different households because my mother was very strict but uh, permissive in some ways like mm-hmm. she let me see the movie Psycho when I was six wow and I ended up turning my dollhouse into the Bates Motel uh, <laughs> okay yeah I was I was a more I was a really morbid kid uh, and then and then after my mother died and also I had like a film career my dad was very overprotective but at the same time he was working all the time mm-hmm. uh, at KTLA actually like right oh, well. nearby right around the corner uh, he but he so he was very protective of me when he was there but when he was at work like my brothers and I just kind of had full reign at the house and so there was always like you know, there was always there was always just like some something inappropriate on Comedy Central that was playing, and you know we would watch horror movies and we would do all kinds of things. And there was a lot of like, you know, uh, like uh, zipping up your jeans really fast to make it sound like you know you're a DJ. The like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 and setting off fireworks in the backyard and. Uh, and so you were a young Jake Paul. I w- <laughs> no, my brothers were my brothers were very smart smart asses. I uh-huh. like to say they were more they were more like if Ferris Bueller you know did academic decathlons. That's the oh, kind of kids nice. that they were. That's nice. much more and, aspirational. Than oh yeah, Ferris so they Bueller. loved they they like were lo- beloved beloved at their beloved beloved. I never had to know oh, how to say that sure. yeah. at their school for for being smart but also being you know being fun. So I I kind of fo- I followed in their footsteps a lot, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, teenage boy culture was very much smart teenage boy culture. I guess was something that was just sort of always there in my in my teenage years, and uh, and I always thought actually, uh, and this is something that we can get into. I always thought that was part of the reason why I wasn't good at being quote a girl. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that was the reason why I you know the boys didn't like me and I didn't really like the boys either, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, I I thought like you know I didn't I I was just helpless. With, with how to dress and how to be. And like, I was, I was attracted to feminine things, but I, I felt completely lost at it. And I still, I still don't know like what, how I feel about all of these things and how I feel about, you know, the just general, uh, female. Ident- I mean, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm female. I am a woman. I'm female identified. I've never had any dysphoria or anything, but I think a lot of things in my upbringing, were sort of the reason excuses there were the excuses that I gave yeah. for a very long time for like, oh, well, I can't be queer because blah 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 blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't be it because because this, because I have this going on. Well this explains this. This explains that. This explains I am I'm an amalgamation of all these things. I can't be it can't just be because of this other thing too. Right. Uh so um were these conversations you could have openly? Um sometimes I mean I felt like growing up I felt like like being gay or bisexual, it was seen as, or transgender, it was seen as something that was like, 
it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it was something that was either laughed about, like it was something a joke that was joked about, or it was like committing a minor crime yeah, Mm -hmm. or like having an addiction or something like that, where you just kind of like the same way that you would talk about, like, you know, a kid who was in rehab again and like how sad that was, was the way you would talk about, you know, your friend who turned out to be gay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what it was. I also heard a lot about like, you know, oh, uh, bisexual girls are crazy. Bisexual girls are lying. Bisexual girls are, are promiscuous are all of these things. And, uh, and I already worried that I was crazy. <laughs> so I, I, you know, that was another reason that I was just like, I can't do you were this. Like, I can't take on another layer of crazy. No, right in fact, I, one of the things was, was I was like, I've got too much else. I've got too much else going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, my friends, when I finally did come out, they were like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, I know it doesn't make any sense, but, but well, it is something that. All, I mean, there are so many just kind of bad representations of bi yeah, it's true. in TV and movies. Yeah. What, yeah. what are the years that we, you're having this conversation with yourself? I'm just um, trying to like probably, frame it probably, pop culturally. Okay. So there was, so there was, so, uh, I had crushes. I had crushes on girls and uh, and very feminine men uh, for a very long time. Like the '90s were a really good time if you were into uh, if you were into like kind of you know effeminate guys. I feel like there were a lot around there at that mm-hmm. time, especially like all the musicians my brothers listened to. There were all these kind of like Brit pop kind of things. So I grew up listening. A dro- yeah, the sort of yeah that had that had kind of they'd grown up listening to, uh, to glam rock. And so these musicians had come out and, you know, so, so all the stuff that my brothers listened to, like, you know, pulp and suede and things like that, they were placebo. Yeah. Placebo. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Men's bathroom. I love that. That one too. (laughs) 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 And yeah. And, and like, uh, and even like, like the, the American ones, like, although like, you know, so my brother was, brothers were listening to like self and, uh, and um, what else? Like I don't know, toe the wet sprocket, and all these things. They all had these like very pretty boys, right? Uh-huh. And emotional so, boys, emotional boys. And I was, you know, and I never, I never got into like the Jared Leto thing. You know, I didn't get into that, but I loved like these these boys that seemed very sweet and mm-hmm. were very sweet faced. Above all, you have taste. This is what I'm learning about <laughs> you right now. When I, yeah, when I say well, that about myself at the at a young age. Well, so. I mean, I did, and I and and the the funny ones and the like, the gay coded characters in movies were always my favorite. You know, yeah, the the ones. Female. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so I had some crushes on girls that I didn't really want to accept as crushes. My, and I've, I've gone on record saying this, but the first, the first like woman that I ever had like a serious crush on was a woman that I worked with on a TV show when I was nine and I was going through a hard time that year. My mother had just died. Uh, I, I was, I was more famous than I'd ever been, but I, that was a lot of stress on me. Uh, and I, I, uh, did this show that Rhea Perlman had worked on called uh, Pearl and I really loved it. And there was this one woman on set who, her character wasn't supposed to like me because I was playing a child genius and she was supposed to be like the smart one. Mm-hmm. So she was supposed to resent me. And uh, but she she went out of her way to tell me that she liked me and that she she you know that she loved working with me and she was incredibly kind and incredibly smart and just radiated elegance and intelligence mm-hmm. and and beauty. And one day she didn't show up to work. I think she had food poisoning or something. And I was like actually really upset. Wow. And, uh, and yeah. And I remember after we finished up thinking about how much I missed her, Uh barely knew her. And I ran into her at like parties a few years later and, uh, and like saw her like dancing on the dance floor and she was still really sweet to me, knew who I was. Uh, 
And only like years later did I realize what this was. And uh, yeah, so that is the story of my crush on Lucy Liu. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Very understandable. Impeccable I mean, she's stunning. Yeah, Impeccable she was. Your, your ring of keys moment is like, uh, oh, I mean, God. It's yeah. pretty sublime. There was, there was a lot of that. And so uh, I, I very much like, I was, I was one of those. I was talking with, with someone the other day about how like they'd marched in parades with the signs that said like straight but not narrow. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's a story I think a lot of, especially a lot of like female identify people I know who are queer. There's a lot of, uh, who are are LGBTQ. There's a lot of like, you know, well, I'm straight, but just so you know, I'm straight. I'm the only straight Uh, person in my theater class, but Uh you know, no, I'm the only one. And I think it was also, I was, I was hesitant. There was a lot of like, you know, oh, you, let's make out to to like I remember being incensed when Katy Perry's "I Kissed a Girl" came out. Yeah. I was just like, this isn't what it's about. And then I was like, wait, why am I? And I remember I had a boyfriend at that time. Uh, I had a serious boyfriend who said to me, you know, he said to me, you know, if you if you break up with me for a guy, I'll feel one way. If you break up with me for a woman, I'll feel another. Hmm. And, and he never explained. And I feel I feel like I I. I, I, and I feel like maybe what he was saying was like he was picking up on some things uh-huh. and he was saying like if you break up with me for a woman I'll understand like he would I'll be more be, mad yeah, right, if I right, cheated right. on him with a guy uh-huh. than he would with because you know with a woman that would be well, he would be like do. yeah I guess so that there would yeah. be like the, that that I would be figuring something out you know um, and and so so I and uh, and I remember thinking like and that's what I took it to mean I'm not sure I still don't know what it means but uh, but yeah there was there was a lot of just explaining everything away mm-hmm. and I overthought everything and I overexplained everything and I used to say like oh well um of course I'm like drawn to to you know to women it's because I don't I, I didn't have a mother I didn't have it but I did have female figures in my life yeah and that doesn't explain you know yeah and, you oh. know act, acting as a mm-hmm. child you regardless of what level you're at you yeah. you are you're in little mini family units for maybe a couple of weeks at a time, yeah. maybe six months at a time, whatever, yeah. and and that's at an age where where you you make connections very strongly. You know, if you're if you're just at school, you know, you have these intense friendships that last a couple months and whatever. Yeah. You move into and out of sort of makeshift family units, which is it's a bit like it's a bit like summer camps. Yeah, I feel like some people you just have your friends forever who are only going to understand this experience that you went through together. Yeah, it's it's a bit like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I did have I had the the girls who were like older sisters to me like Lisa Jacob who worked on Doubtfire with me mm-hmm. I had the the you know the like the studio teachers and the the wonderful women in my life who were were like mothers to me mm-hmm. and then I had I had the crushes and they were the other ones that I they I just couldn't really categorize them I didn't really know what to do yeah. uh, about them and they're and they're relationships that can't full like that can't make it to their end point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're like, because you're on a set for a little while, you oh, have yeah. a brief, intense friendship, and then you're not around anymore. Yeah. So it's not like it's and it's you hard. don't go through the full cycle of friendship. It's you know? really yeah. It's and it's really hard when those when those come to an end. I mean, I remember feeling devastated sure. after after some of these, just because it it felt like you know you'd lost something. Oh, right. And that was that was very hard. I think I think it would have been worse if I'd been on more TV shows. I think that is because you really yeah, do intense. have a family. A lot of friends I knew who did like. I had a friend who I grew up with who was on Roseanne, and he was always saying that, you know, that when when they left, it was like losing a family. You, yeah. You're losing a family. You're losing a job. It does feel like this tremendous loss, whereas doing film, doing, doing you know, TV movies, things like that, I think is much more like uh, 
it is like summer camp where you 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 have these memories forever, but it's just for a few months at it's a time. Just a, there's a there's a clear beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And you kind of yeah. know the end is coming. I yeah. also think that I definitely. And this is, I, I think, like, I was I was a late bloomer in a lot of things. And I do think also sometimes that maybe being a child actor made me feel that way, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't, I still don't talk about, like, my, my love life very publicly that much. Uh, often there's not much to tell. But <laughs> it's, it's uh, it, because, and I think it's because people still saw me as a child for yeah. so long that I was so nervous. I was so nervous about expressing any kind of, you know, any kind of sexuality whatsoever. And I also saw, I think, a lot of girls uh, feel like they they were like uh, they equated their sexuality with being grown up, which which you know, sexuality is something for grown ups, I believe, but it's not they're not necessarily equal. And I yeah. worried about that because I feel like I saw them being taken advantage of or sort of spiraling out of control with these things. That and uh, equating the two, I think that. Owning, owning your sexuality and, and performative sexuality, I think, is, is you know, is uh, can be a very empowering thing, but I didn't always see it happening in the most empowering way for these mm-hmm. young women. Well, I, it's interesting you say that because I had a boyfriend in my 20s who had been a child actor. Yeah. And I think that it was, it was really hard for him um, coming out because, mm-hmm. you know, for, for that reason. I don't think he, well, I, I ever heard him articulate it quite that way, but that um just even it, just being seen as a grown up at all was yeah. was weirdly sort of discouraged by the people he I, I think not by his family or anything but when you are celebrated for being young and yeah. cute and people sort of do want to continue there you know you, i think you put a pressure on yourself to sort of remain that way and yeah. then this arrested development thing happens it it definitely is yeah i would definitely say that that happens i mean people get mad at me for using the word fuck people get mad at me for like i, I remember when i first started like coming back to the internet people were always posting about my boobs and how weird it was that i had boobs and yeah, and things like that, and how their childhood was ruined, which is like, great, now you can grow up. Um, <laughs> Your childhood should be ruined. I mean, yeah, I mean, you point. know, and I mean, I say this as somebody who like loves teen dramas, so you know, that's that's one thing. Uh, but but it's it's uh, yeah, there there is definitely that expectation of that. Like you you either you you either cannot be like seen as a sexual being, or yeah. you or you you feel obliged to be a sexual being. And either way, it's really hard because it's not necessarily. Your choice. Right. Before we take a break and come back and talk about you being seen as a sexual being, <laughs> I do want to ask you what teen dramas yeah. you love. Oh, okay. Um, so I recently had mono, uh, which oh, was shit. fun as hell. Uh, yeah, ended up in the hospital. It, it was oh not. God. It was not fun. Um, oh, I'm I'm a hypochondriac. I mean, this is this is like my small talk. I ran into like like not even like a friend, like an acquaintance at uh, the store the other day. And he was like, "Hey, how have you been doing?" And I said, "I have mono." And he was like, uh, "Okay, bye." <laughs> uh, he was on his way out. And I was like, by the way, I had mono. Um, yeah, that's that's me. I don't have small talk. I have hypochondria. Um, <laughs> I, I also have B12 deficiency. I thought I had Hashimoto's, but I don't. Oh. Um, no, did but you anyway. Did you get one of those shots? I, I, shots I did. I just got the B12 shot, and I mm-hmm. feel completely different. Right? It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I've been re-watching some of my favorites, including uh, Dance Academy, which is a British show. Or it's not British. It's Australian. About, uh, about kids in a ballet academy that has oh. one of the first bisexual male teenage characters that I've seen um That's there's cool. uh there's what era is it from it's just from a few years ago okay 
And my older brother, my older brother is a Harvard-educated paleobotanist who loves teen dramas. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the two of us are, yeah, we talk about that. He got me into it. Uh, my Mad Fat Diary is fantastic. That's uh-huh. a British show. The acting is fantastic. These it's, are deep cuts. It's, I, they're deep I'm, cuts. I mean, I also, like, of course, I've been watching Riverdale. You know, of course, I love that one. Of course, I loved Freaks and Geeks. Of course, I loved oh. Veronica Mars and uh, and all of them and Gilmore Girls. And, and uh, yeah, but so many of these are, like, my favorite. Scum, which is a Norwegian one, uh, which is all about uh, which is all the, the word uh, literally means shame mm-hmm. and it's all about teenagers trying to hide their secrets from each other yeah that's another fantastic one as well wow. I'm I am yeah I've been I like, about scum I am nonstop. It's yep. so good. Where, where do we get it? Uh, you you can only find it in like like just like randomly linked like in YouTube and it's it's like I really wish they made a way for it to be available. You know, like it's on Tumblr. Like it's like you have to take like a you know do like a link to a link to a link to a link to find it. But you're it not going to find it while spend thirty minutes flipping through Netflix. Like, no, you're not. Which you're is not. What I, I do wish every you night. could be. I wish you could. Yeah. I wish you could find it that way. But uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. All right. Wow. Sold. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to take a deep dive into your love life. (laughs) Homophilia is supported by the Showtime hit comedy series, Shameless. On Shameless, the struggle is outrageously real for Frank and Fiona and the whole Gallagher clan. That's right. They are living that South Side life on their own terms. Thank you very much, with no exceptions. Uh, The Huffington Post says that Shameless has changed the game, and the only place to see new episodes is on Showtime. You've got your William H. Macy. You've got your Emmy Rossum. You've You've got got that uh, adorable young guy who plays Flip. Oh, there's a there's a young gay couple, an all star cast. Yeah, it's new it's season. a really it's a fun show. You got to stream new episodes starting November fifth only on Showtime. Welcome back. We were just talking about uh, the fact that Rayanne from My So-Called Life is like a, a duchess. As yeah, she should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there is justice in this yeah, world. Yeah. It doesn't often feel like there yeah. is, but sometimes there is. Yeah. She had a sitcom a few years ago, and it was one of those sitcoms with like a terrible, it was like. It, it's like you know. It's like you know. Yeah. It was a great show. Oh, right. Show. It was wow. supposed to be like a, the L.A. version of Friends, right? L.A. Seinfeld Friends. Oh, okay. L.A. Seinfeld yeah, Friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was actually, it was very clever. Uh, Chris Eigenman from uh, from Gilmore Girls oh, and I love Metropolitan, which is my all-time favorite him. movie. He is I love him so much. Yeah, and and also Jennifer Grey playing herself. Oh, that's right. Oh. And, and addressing her, the, her, the yeah, oh, kind of like of uh, James Vanderbeek. Speaking yes. of teen dramas, playing playing himself in oh. Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment Twenty Three, which are I loved. In yeah. the right place to talk about James Vanderbeek. He, yeah. was, <laughs> he is at the top of my my sexual power rankings right now. <laughs> he is absolutely gorgeous. Have you seen his Diplo show? I don't think I have. It's on Viceland. He plays okay. Diplo. It's good. It's good. I like it. And I don't know how much of it is just me perving on him. He's also, just... he's also does, does a voice on like a children's show now, which is yeah. adorable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the only, like the only, like, like, like super like straight guys that I'm attracted to, I've found are like dads. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's talk dads. Yeah. Let's talk. No, for real. Let's talk dads. Um, Let's talk I'm, pop culture dads. So, I, well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm only, I found that I'm like. I, 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 my taste is kind of, is kind of like, I've never been into super masculine men. Like I watched that video of Chris Hemsworth doing push-ups 
and I felt nothing. Mm. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is, you know, is something, is something wrong with me? Is it, is this, you know, is my Kinsey score higher than I thought it was? But yeah, I feel like attractive men like Channing Tatum and, and like, you know, these like really super attractive men that like if I were in a room with them, I wouldn't feel sexually attracted to them. I would be like, Aw, yeah, you're so cute. Yeah, you know, yeah, like a, yeah, like yeah. a golden retriever or something. I'd be like, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do anything more than cuddling with them. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about yeah. everyone that you just mentioned. I, <laughs> I feel I, I don't. No, I think they've overpumped Chris Evans. I really do. I like. I well, think no, see, they've Chris pumped Evans, him past the point of sexuality. He seems he seems kind of like much more. And I don't know, maybe like Wonder Woman changed something for me, but he seems like a little bit more sensitive. And I'm like, okay, I guess I could get mm-hmm, yeah. I can get behind that too. Sure, but sure. I yeah. can't be. Oh, wait, I no, that's Chris Pine. Chris like, Evans. Chris well, Evans is also kind of, I think, though. Like, they both have this sort of, like, sweet gentleness that I'm like, okay, I can yeah. see it. Yeah. You know? there, it is a lot to ask of us as a culture to keep track of both Chris Pine <laughs> and Chris Evans. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. And we, Chris they, they both get to And have Chris Pratt. All, yeah. yeah. All the Chris's. All there the Chris's. too many guys. You need but, to have a seat. Uh, but, Yeah. So, so, but I mean, I, I've noticed, I don't know, like my, my type, I feel like is all over the map and like my celebrity crushes are kind of all over the map, but mm-hmm. I know that one thing that I've always liked and always been attracted to are people who are kind of just, kind of just goofy. Mm-hmm. Like, so I've been watching Orphan Black and, uh, I, I haven't watched the last two episodes because I want to save them because I don't want it to end. Wow. Uh, but Every interview I see with Tatiana Maslany just makes me love her. Like mm-hmm. I, I would marry Tatiana Maslany. Um, I'm, sh- I, I know she's straight, um, but like, <laughs> she's just, she's just so she's sure of herself and she's mm-hmm. self aware, but she just seems so like silly and goofy. Like she's, yeah. she has a good laugh at herself. She doesn't take herself too seriously. Right. She just shows up at UCB. Yeah, like she's just she's also beautiful, and yeah. uh, and and she's. Uh, but she's she's just so adorable and so like I'm I've just I'm always in awe of these like sort of happy bubbly people right <laughs> because I was a dark morbid child and I'm uh-huh. still you know hypochondriac super serious you know I take everything seriously except for myself uh-huh. uh, but also growing up around actors you're probably surrounded by and, and 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 still you can see through it so when when people are sort of like putting on and yeah. a persona of like, I'm happy go lucky. Yeah, and, exactly. Know, well, I think that's another reason why like super, like super conventionally hot, attractive people like, you know, I mean like, yes, of course, John Hamm is, is, you know, beautiful. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like Margot Robbie is beautiful and all these, I don't know who's considered attractive these days, like super, but I think, but I think that also I, I've, I've embarrassed myself in front of John Hamm twice, uh, the past, <laughs> the, the past year that I've been living in LA. Do so tell. yeah. Okay. So I went to, I went to a party. I was invited to a party and, um, and, uh, I was introduced to a musician who I love, whose, whose music I love. And she is famously introverted. Mm. Famously introverted and shy. And, uh, and, uh, I had, you know, had two drinks, which I mean, I'm five feet tall. And so I, I, uh, I blurted out and I know, okay, I, my whole life I have known how to talk to famous people. Yeah. I know you don't make a big deal out of it. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done all kinds of things. I know it's like, it's like when you go to New York, you don't look up at the big buildings and with celebrities, you just kind of have to be like, okay, you're whoever. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I mean, when people, when people fawn over me, which is admittedly, I mean, a much smaller group, but when they do, I, I can get a little nervous too. So it's like having people sing to you in uh, a happy birthday in a restaurant. I right, feel like. Right, right, right. So, That's um, a good way of putting it. 
Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. So a little this was intense. the Although, last I mean, person that you should have. Yeah, this was the last person. And I blurted out, "I'm a big fan," and she immediately like shied. Like in theater school, we used to call it graining, where you like just very like slightly move, like your body language just very subtly changes. And yeah. she just did it. She just like curled up, like shied away from me. And oh, the wow. person that she shied away from me into was John Hamm. And I'm like, great. Now John Hamm thinks I'm an asshole. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, I was in a restaurant with my sister. And it was some restaurant that like, it was one of those restaurants where people are always like, oh, you always see celebrities there, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And uh, and I was thinking that and I was like, yeah, but I don't know. I haven't really seen anybody here. I've seen like James Marsden and a bunch of people like since since uh, since I've been back there. So yeah, I guess you do. It was great. I like looked over at the table at him while I was desperately trying to find my inhaler. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking that and I was just like, yeah, but you know, I don't really see anybody famous. And just as I said that, John Hamm walked in uh-huh. and I turned to my sister and I went, Anna, John Hamm is here. And she goes, oh my God. You have spinach in your teeth. Oh, so yeah, Doing so great. so yeah, so now every time I embarrass myself, my sister goes, "Where's John Ham? Yeah. John <laughs> Ham should be, be here. here. John Ham is John yeah. Ham is you lurking around. Maybe right now, John Ham is saying, you know, Mara Wilson. What I like about her is she's not she's goofy, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Yeah. She will she spinach her teeth. She's over like me. real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what John Ham thinks the world is. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? right. Because I think people yeah. so fundamentally act different around somebody who is that. It really, yeah. yeah. Like, Conventionally beautiful. I used to do a show, and I've said this before, but I used to do like a FX's version of Dinner and a Movie, uh-huh. and it was me and this beautiful blonde woman yeah. who was like, you know, tall and gorgeous, and and like, and you know, the conventionally, you know, the mutually agreed upon dream of yeah. straight American men, right? Yeah. And so when we would go out to dinner. Like when the network would take us out or whatever, like the chef would come by the table and like mm, we'd get all mm-hmm. we'd get an amuse bouche or whatever, yeah. and we'd get all this extra stuff. And for her, she was just like, "Hey, this is hey, this, this, is, the, is. this is what the world is." And I like I I was like, "Oh no, we live in fundamentally different universes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you 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 get like I we went to a NASCAR uh, thing to film something, and I I roamed around on my own and like saw the trailers and the and the the you know tailgate parties and whatever. Not a single person waved me over. I did another lap with her, and it was like beers in our hands, hats mm-hmm. on our heads, mm-hmm. like introductions into the VIP trailer. Wow. Yeah, it's two Americas, is what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. let's get back to Mara Wilson. <laughs> to you. Yeah, what's uh, okay? So, what is your relationship status at the moment? Uh, I'm single. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's people that I've like been you know out on dates with and such, but uh, but yeah, I'm single. I, uh, I'm really bad at dating. I think that like, it's, it's kind of hard for me to meet people. I, I, um, I, I mean, I can't do dating apps <laughs> no, why do you say in that? New York because, because I, nobody wants to know about their former child stars, you know, sexual preferences and, and such, you okay. know, I, so have you tried? I also, yeah, years ago I did years ago I did. And I didn't put up a picture of my face. And then I got like a, a bunch of people being like, can I see a picture of your face? And I was just like, yeah, but also I feel like you don't really get that much from anybody anyway, because I'll just look at it and I'll be like, oh, she's really pretty. But I I don't know what that connection, what that personal connection is going to be. Um, I also, I've also found that uh, my, my fan base is disproportionately queer women, (laughs) which is fantastic, but also it's kind of weird when girls flirt with you saying like, oh yeah, Miss Honey was my first crush. 
Wow. Like, yeah, like, and that's just like, that's not gonna, sorry, that's not, that doesn't make me, you know, or so do like. You, yeah. Do you put sort of a premium on um, people who are like, don't know your work or are not impressed by, it? I mean, is that important I kind to you? of do. I mean, like my most, yeah, like, like probably my longest, my longest relationship, never seen Matilda. You know, that was, that was something that was nice. But I also do like it when people understand kind of what I've been through or they mm-hmm. try to keep up with things as well. So it's also this sort of like, do I mean date people? People who are also in entertainment, or do I do I try to you know sort of go outside of that world and and find people that are completely different? Yeah. And that's something that I've struggled with as well. Mm-hmm. I'm also I also feel like I take I don't know I take a while I think to like I either dive right in or I take a while to to uh, to sort of like get to know. Like I I go on dates, but I find it I don't know I find it hard to connect with people. It's just me. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a romantic social anxiety or what, but yeah. like it's it's just. Uh, I mean, dating is a unnatural. I feel like people game. who are good at dating kind of scare me. Yeah, or people who enjoy dating kind of scare me because right. it feels so fake. Oh. It does, and and the idea that you can just like do something for a while and then shut it down. Yeah, and walk away. Yeah, is, it feels well, sociopathic. And it's also to like me. to go on a you're going on a job interview, but you're pretending that it's not a job exactly, interview. exactly. Like, That's the thing that makes me that makes me nervous about it. So I'm usually very upfront with people. Just be like, look, is this a date or not? Are we yeah. doing this? Is yeah. this you know, or or like, look, I, I like you in this way, but I don't think that it's going to work out this way. And you know, and for a long time, like that's you know, that's that's worked actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's also I think harder to tell wh- with women that. Uh, that like if they're interested in you in one way or another, but then mm-hmm. also I've I've had that same problem with male identified people I've dated too, where they're maybe I've just dated a lot of like wishy washy guys. Like <laughs> I'll be like, is this a date? They'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, what am I supposed to do about yeah. that? Uh, so uh, how about how about no? Yeah. How about knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, gonna round knowing. it down to no. Yeah. Gonna round it down to no. Yeah. So can you tell us your coming out story? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I kind of have a couple, I guess. I um. So <laughs> I I went to Marie's Crisis in New York City. Amazing. <laughs> I am I, my soul is wrapping you in a hug right yes, now. Yes, I went to Marie's Crisis one night and my friend was there uh, and she was in an open relationship and she was there with this guy that she'd been dating who was in an open marriage and he he came in and and I'd seen I'd met him once before I think and he tried to flirt with me but I was just like no because I I I don't think I could date anybody in an open marriage I just I just couldn't I'm I'm possessive I guess yeah and he he you know I I, I was like he seemed cute and nice but I was like no uh, and then I he was he kept flirting with a friend of ours who who also has that very like sort of laid back ridiculous bubbliness about her that I've like always been attracted to. And I got really annoyed that he wouldn't stop flirting with her. I was like really frustrated and really mad. And it felt like being in a middle school dance again. Um, and the next day I'd been like struggling with what I'd been feeling really depressed. I, I went to my therapist and I was like, I was like, and I told her, of course, you know, I told my therapist about the girl that I said, I love, I love you too. When I was a teenager who, you know, immediately rebuffed with, oh, I love you too. And walked away. And, you know, the, like, I told her about all these things. And then we had this kind of, she was like, I was like, yeah, I was really upset with the way that he was talking to her. She's like, why do you think you were upset? I, well, I think it's because I, maybe I was jealous. Okay. Why do you think you're jealous? 
And I just started sobbing. And I said, I don't know, maybe I'm bisexual. Maybe I like women. And she was like, yeah. (laughs) And she, she wasn't that, but she was just kind of like, okay. And I went home and I, I like, I, I texted one of my siblings and I like one of my, I think I probably texted like one of my brothers and said, would this surprise you? And he was like, no, not really. Mm. Um, actually, and I found out later, a lot of my friends and a lot of my, my family members were surprised that I was bisexual because I thought I was a lesbian. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, because, and it's, uh, honestly, it's true that I do fit, I do fit, like, way more lesbian stereotypes <laughs> than, like, anybody what I know. What lesbian stereotypes? Oh, yeah. God, I mean, I, I, I love cats and tea, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a very, you know, I love communicating, and I love, you know, comfortable shoes, and I only like dresses because they're, like, they're, like, comfortable, and it's just, like, every, like, like, think of a lesbian stereotype. I've been to an Indigo Girls concert twice. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I, I, I would love to drive a Subaru. I'm. I'm Everything just you're like, saying here is just sensible. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a very sensible I'm person. With all of these, yeah. Things, no, so. like, like if you if you name a lesbian stereotype, I you know I am all about it. And so I you know I I, I had that like tomboy phase when I was a kid, but I didn't really. Yeah, it's it like like I I I seem pretty gay, and I, and I know that I do. But um, and and I do think that like. I mean, I used to say that I was a Kinsey too, and yeah, my number is higher than that for sure. But can you uh, break down what the Kinsey numbers are? It's zero to six. Zero to six. I used to say I was a two, but I think zero I, being I think the I'm least higher. gay. Zero, zero is the least gay. Six is the most gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a six. I'm not a zero. Yeah. So, but you're you're thinking you might be closer to right in the middle. Yeah, and also I've noticed like different times in my life, and hell, even times of the month, I, I go one way or the other. Yeah, I've noticed like oh, this time in my life, I was I was probably you know more of more of like a two and a half. This time in my life, I was probably like a five. You know this this time, it, it, so it it kind of goes back and forth, and it's funny because every time I'm like mm, no, maybe I'm more like this. Something happens, and it's a it's yeah. a it's a weird you know. It's it's a weird fluid thing for me, and I think it is a lot more fluid for most people than than they than care to they, admit. To than they care to admit, yeah. which which I understand because like it would be so nice to be able to be like just this is what I am and that's it, right? You know, but, Dave, are you uh, coming in at a? A zero on that scale? No, or? zero is straight. Zero is oh, zero I'm sorry, is straight. straight. Six is yeah. yeah. I'm I yeah. I mean I've yeah. never yeah. Pretty six yeah. yeah. You uh, probably a six or yeah. a f- five point Aniston. No, I don't even. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, yeah. no, I don't want to have sex with Jennifer Aniston. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. a six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so. I have found that more male and male identified people I know mm-hmm. tend to to go to one extreme or the other. But yeah. I also know a lot who are very very much on the yeah. you know. I, and not that it's easy for anyone, but I do think that uh, our culture is more um, – forgiving is not the right word. Yeah. But, it, well, but it's, it's more – equipped to understand. Yeah. It's equipped to understand fluid female Yeah, I, I think that they do seem to think that. They do seem yeah. to think that. I do think that women also kind of get punished for that too because yeah. – like I remember – and one of, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't come out for a long time because I was thinking to myself, oh, well – what if I'm just doing this for attention? What if this isn't real? I doubted it for so long. And I even had friends say to me, I'd say like, oh, you know, I think I might be interested in women. They'd be like, oh, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so between that- They're not mo- friends anymore. <laughs> that conversation, that realization you had with in therapy yeah. and w- in the moment you came out publicly. Yeah, that was a few months later, I think. I, I mean, I- A few months I later. I knew. Yeah, it was a few months later. I had you a really bad year. 
I had a really bad year. I well, it was sort of like, oh yeah, well I've kind of always known. And I told my I told my friends, and they were all just like, yeah, mm-hmm. if we've seen you make out with women, we know. Uh, but okay, they, so I just, now I'm really honestly, seeing how it's it was yeah, very clear. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, did it was leave very some clear. hints. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. left a lot of hints, okay. and uh, and you know, th- th- like the way I talk about Janelle Monae online and all that. Uh, <laughs> there's there's uh, five point nine Janelle Monae. Oh God, wow. right? Janelle yeah. Monae. Uh, Rosario Dawson. Uh, oh, five, well, 5. I mean, yeah, those are those are definitely on my list as well. Um, but I, I, uh, I had a really hard year. I, there was there was death of friends and families and, and pets and a lot of life changes and a lot of stress. I was under a lot of stress and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and a lot of, of, of well, not like unnecessary depression, you know, not like depression on its own, but just like traumatic events were happening in my yeah. life. So I was I was struggling a lot, and I think that I I uh, I, I like now I, I wish that I had not come out. Sometimes I wish that I had not come out publicly then, because I got a lot of people, you know, writing articles on Gawker and such, saying like, "Oh, you just wanted attention," That's so, which is I exactly what I didn't want. It you was know, so, because you we should we should specify you you, you came out uh, yeah after uh, the Orlando shooting, yeah. and I think I was just I was just struggling with my own with a lot of grief in my own personal life, but this as well felt so upsetting and so frustrating that it was just like. And I think I, I remember it, and I, I remember thinking it was just such a, a, a cool move, standing in solidarity, and it was Thank as simple you. as that. There were, you know, there was no question. Yeah, the, you know, there are a lot of ways you could get attention if you just wanted attention. Exactly, I mean, and you'll I'm, be accused of it. No right. matter. I was what okay, and do I do it. think that there's another thing too of like the worst thing that like a woman can do, or honestly, gay men for this uh, for this that matter too can like the worst thing they can do is want attention. Right. God help you if you want attention. Right. But like attention is currency, attention is power. And, you know, if you are in a group that traditionally hasn't had a lot of power, you're going to want it, yeah. you know? So, but there are other ways that I go about it. I mean, I was a musical theater kid. I know how to get attention, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, so the the idea that I was doing that, you know, that was upsetting and I didn't feel great about it for for a while. Um, For whatever, and, I mean, uh, you, I just know I, I truly believe you should feel great about it. Thank you. I do now. I do feel like yeah. – I do feel like there was a while where I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't done it then. And it was – it was. I think it was like people were pushing back at me and I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? It was like a sitcom. So uh, I, I felt like I like I needed to and uh, and – you know, I, I I wish that I'd done it in a much more casual way, but I guess I'm also I am also glad that I was you know standing in solidarity in yeah. this way, and uh, and I did have people say to me like you gave me the courage to come out to my parents, and that that's an incredible there thing to go. hear. So yeah. so yeah, and I do feel so much more. I do feel like I have this weight off my back now, which has been incredible because for a while I was thinking like what if what if I'm like going out with a woman and like somebody sees it and tweets about it because like because that's the thing I'm not going to end up in any tabloids but people people have like tweeted about my whereabouts before mm-hmm. you know what if what if this do I really want it to happen that way and now I don't need to worry about that at all yeah so yeah all right. so what what's the longest relationship you've been in uh three years okay yeah three years and that was back in college uh-huh. so uh so yeah so it's it's been a while and I've dated a good number of people since then but uh I don't know I think I think also a lot of times sometimes I think I, I dated a lot of straight men and that was something that something always felt like there was something kind of missing mm-hmm. uh I I and I've actually joked recently that uh I don't date as many straight men anymore, and that's kind of a relief because now I don't have to pretend to enjoy close-up magic. 
Close up magic. Close up magic. What is that? Pick a card, any card. Yeah. Oh. oh. Where you look very closely at the hands. Uh. Small room at the Magic Castle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. I don't have to pretend to be interested in that anymore. Um, oh. Bless you. But uh, yeah, and and yeah, there there's uh, so. Does this mean you've dated your your your, your share of guys that are bi or, or more yeah? Fluid? I'm I'm mostly yeah. I'm like I'm like. Uh, more attracted, I think, to men who are who are more fluid, who are you know, or like, uh, like I mean, like this one guy in my life that recently like was like a really sweet, long haired, dog loving guy who drove a Subaru. Like, oh, I've mm. I've yeah, I've dated a lot of guys who who people were like. That guy was a lesbian, pretty much. Yeah. Like he he behaved like I've had you You're know like, lesbian yes, friends and? say lesbian friends say like yeah we've all we all dated that one guy who was a lesbian before mm-hmm. we came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, those are those are much more my type, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. And how has coming out complicated your, you know, dating life? Um, it hasn't complicated it that much. It's made it easier. It's made it so that uh, I, I feel much more open to dating, to to dating all people, like all all genders. Uh, it's it's made it easier to meet people. I think in some ways, uh, it hasn't. You know, I know people who are like, oh, you're bisexual. You'll date anybody. That's not true. I'm super picky. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it That's hasn't. a weird stereotype. It really yeah. is. It's really weird. It, it hasn't changed very much yeah. at all, I found. But yeah. uh, the assumption is that the, the sexual drive itself is doubled. Yeah, and right. no, no, it's not. By there being a wider base from which to choose. And yeah. It's not, that's not the way that that's it is. That's not the yeah. way that it works, no. It's it's very, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm always saying that there needs to be, like, nerdy bisexual or, like, like you know, uh, boring bisexual uh, depictions in media, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. of yeah. it's just, like, because I feel, and I feel like that's, you know, a lot of what you see, a lot of, like, LGBTQ media that you first see, I think, is a lot of, a lot of over the top, a lot of stereotypes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those but, stereotypes yeah. are often, like, Sort of, uh, I mean, for, for for women, like a femme fatale, someone who is there yeah, to sort of... Uh, yeah, I mean, like... like uh, Tempt you away from... Exactly, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that, and and that's not what, you know, that's not what... I mean, I like to dress like a femme fatale sometimes, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I dress like... I dress like a, like a lesbian librarian playing Rizzo <laughs> in Greece in a local community theater production. <laughs> that's my style icon uh, right there. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, I, I, but yeah, there's, there's not, there's not, that's not, you know, that's not who I am. That's not, I'm, I'm a lot more boring than that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it sounds like with your family, it was, I mean, cool. They were just, yeah, they were just kind of like, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my, um, and uh, this is actually kind of an amazing story. So, as I told you, I always felt like I was bad at, quote, girl things, unquote, like the, the, you know, doing makeup and, and doing my makeup and hair and, and dressing nicely. And like, I noticed the boys at school did not treat me like they treated the other girls because I was not, I was not like a sex object to them. And I was not an object of affection to them. And I was not like pretty to them. So I was just kind of like, they would put kick me signs on my back. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a target to them. They would treat me like they would treat a lot of the other guys. Uh, and I think that a lot of straight boys do that when a woman doesn't really, uh, you know, act like that. So mm-hmm. my parents sent me to charm school to etiquette classes. Really? Yeah, when I was a teenager, which uh, in some ways, like, like I've learned some amazing things there. I mean, I charmed my way through college interviews for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And yeah, and I know which fork to use now, and I know which you work your way in, by the way. You, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it it definitely. It made me learn, you know, this is how you stand up straight. This is how you introduce yourself. It was, in some ways, these skills were practical. But when I talked to my parents, 
they said, uh, you know, your charm school teacher actually told us she thought you might be gay. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's yeah. That out seems like I, the I, kind of thing that by definition, char- like charm school would like ring that out of you. you yeah. Know what I mean, you mean, like, I mean yeah. yeah. If, if you have the urge to out a kid to their parents, yeah. don't. Like that's not in any <laughs> Emily Post book, but it should be. Well, she was, I'm actually kind of glad that she did that because apparently they talked about it and they were like, do you, do you care if she's gay? And they were like, no. I was like, okay. And this is, you know, this was, this was what, 2000, 2001, something like that when, when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the end of the world if you were, but it was also, you know, a, it was also still kind of a, a hurdle. And uh, by this point, you were not awake to being queer, but no, you had, I, I it had, sounds like had, had, a, I mean, serious crushes on women. Oh yeah. No, I definitely had crushes on girls at the time. And I think that's what it was. I think that I kept being like, you know, so-and-so from drama club said this and she's so beautiful and I love to talk to her and I love the way her hair smells. And yeah, I think that she, she picked up on that. And I, I'm actually like, I'm not, if this is, and I mean, maybe she would tell that story a different way, you know, maybe my, this is just the way that my parents are framing it, but I'm actually not mad that she did that in fact I find like I'm kind of glad that she did it (laughs) because it it made it you know and also I remember her saying to me over and over again like you know most of my friends are gay I've been in theater for a really long time you know it's 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 I'm I'm very open-minded about these things Uh and me just being like oblivious like okay let me tell you more about this really like pretty girl that I like really really want to be best friends with oh that's very sweet and she must also have sensed in your parents yeah that it would land well, yeah, I mean, my my parents are my parents are like pretty conservative people, but I mean, like they they've also worked in Hollywood for years, and they'd also had you know gay friends, and they'd also so so they you know and and she knew that they loved me unconditionally, yeah. you know, as as strict as they could be. So uh, so yeah, I think that she she knew that, and so when I talked to my parents, they were just kind of like, yeah, okay, we're not going to judge you. We just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. just find somebody nice. Yeah, you know. So how do you if you don't do the dating apps? How do you? How do you find somebody um, nice? What's your friends of friends? Yeah. And I've I've actually it's funny because uh, the, the a lot of the men that I've dated have been um, friends' brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, that's there's been a lot of that friends friends brothers, which was you know um, or like siblings because or cousins because you know they're vetted. Yeah, you sure. know but I, it's also tricky because if it doesn't work out, that yeah, that not going anywhere. Exactly, right. exactly. Well, I'm really lucky. Like one of them, I'm I'm still really good friends with, and uh, he he got married recently, and I was just at the wedding. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, but uh, it also yeah. chips away at like the power differential because it does. you are recognizable and you do have. Yeah. A presence on the internet. People tend to come into meeting you knowing you. So if you know a little bit about them also, or if they've had some yeah. exposure to you, then you are more well, that's on why yeah. equal I feel like these days I've been trying to to date people who are kind of at the same level as me. Like they are, maybe they work in, in you know, the industry. Maybe they don't. Maybe they understand how it works. Maybe they don't. They're not. I've had bad experiences dating people who were like super successful in the entertainment industry because mm. it's just... A lot of weird power dynamic kind mm-hmm. of stuff there. Uh, there's, there's, uh, yeah, just a lot of weird power things that don't that that are bad. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do think that sometimes when I meet people who are who have something of a public profile too, sometimes it's like, oh, okay, you kind of get it. Mm-hmm. You kind of understand what it is. It's hard to find people that are at that same level. And for a long time, I struggled. I'm like, do I try to date people who are, you know, more famous than I am or people who aren't famous at all? Or do I try to do more work and then become become part of a power couple? Or <laughs> do I just, you know, meet somebody nice and normal, you know, just a, a teacher or something? And, and uh, 
you know, like, you know, your friend's sister. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's, I don't know. So if it's we were going to, if any of we were going to set you up with someone now, what are the <laughs> qualifications? What are you looking yeah. for? Um, I like, I, I like people who are, uh, yeah, who are, who are sort of upbeat and laid back uh, because I'm not either of those mm-hmm. things. Uh, I, I, let's see. Uh, fortunately, I'm not really attracted to straight women or straight men. <laughs> um, not super attracted to it. So that's right. not as much of an issue anymore. Um, I'm looks wise and like age wise and everything. It's all over the map. Uh, yeah, it's, it's people who are, who are just genuinely sweet, smart people too. I don't, I, I, I need a nerd. I, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad, my dad is an engineer. My mother worked like every nerdy job there was, um, you know, my, my brothers all have like, my brothers are all like super, super smart academic types. And so I, I need somebody like the people that I have dated that haven't been in entertainment have all been in STEM, you know, science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, mathematics. Yes. Yeah, so many engineers, mathematicians, you know, physicists, people like that. Uh, and that, has been really good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found I, I I like that I like that balance and I like that and I'm I mean I'm a science nerd as well self taught, uh, but I so that's something that I I've definitely feel attracted to is mm-hmm. uh, is uh, yeah super super smart nerdy people. That's uh, that's something that I like. Do you okay. have a vision for the future romantically or sort of a you know a a, a, a dream scenario that involves marriage, kids, I don't any of that know. stuff? I don't know how I feel about marriage. I do. I do. I know I want kids. I've always wanted to raise kids. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a good aunt and I'm, I'm good with kids. I've always known that I wanted to raise kids and I figure that, you know, I, I would like to, I would like to have a partner, I think. But also if, if I don't, that's fine by me too, because I am, I I feel very loved. I have a lot of family and friends that really love me a lot and uh, that I know and I love and I trust. So if I do do the like adopt by yourself kind of thing, that's totally fine by me too. Mm-hmm. And I've I have actually really enjoyed living most of my 20s, I feel like, and, and now into my 30s have been – I look back and, I, and I, I was in relationships, but I also feel like a lot of that time I was on my own and I like that. Yeah. I, I like being able to sort of determine my own destiny and go where I want to go and do these kinds of determine my own destiny. That's so LA. Uh, but, but yeah, I like being able to be like, I'm going to go this at this point, you know, I'm going to go do this thing. This, yeah. you know, I, I like not being, you know, totally responsible for, for anybody else. That's kind of a relief to me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I would like, I would like a partner, I think, but I, you're and, not pining for it. You're no, it's not yeah. something I, I'm, I've never been one of those people where I'm like, I need to be dating somebody. Yeah. I not since I was like a teenager. I never like I w- I've never been like I, I'll be like you know girlfriend or boyfriend would be nice, but like if I don't find one, that's okay too. And and uh, you know and and there'll be times that I'm going to want one, but I don't really feel like I need one, which mm-hmm. is which is a nice feeling. Pretty good place to be. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mara, will you stick around and answer a listener question with us? Yeah, sure. Okay, right on. Brb. We're back with Mara Wilson, and we have a Twitter question that uh, came in from a woman named Robin. Mm-hmm. And she wrote us, my son came out last year. He was 18. We always knew and never pushed. Thought it best to always have him know that being gay was a non-issue. He came out to his dad and me with instructions to share with the family because he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. 
Now I'm wondering if when uh, I should tell his little brother who's 10, mm. he's made comments lately where he's curious about orientation. Mm. I see. Wow, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's funny how um, how we tend to – I certainly was this way. We tend to, when we come out, say like, let's not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? As as though like we need to, in order to take care of the people around us, diminish it and demi- and like anticipate their mm-hmm. their level of disappointment right. or, or 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 like or discomfort or mm-hmm. whatever, and just be like, well, I'm not going to talk about it a whole right. bunch because it's not that big a deal. So whatever. But you know what? It is a big deal. It's yeah. a huge part of your life. Yeah. So and in order to make it ultimately not a big deal, you do have to talk a bunch and ask a bunch of questions and answer a bunch of questions, and then. You know, and then it gets sort of put in its regular place in your life. Yeah. Um, this does not answer her question at all. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, the other but side I, of, of of not making a big deal out of it is normalizing it, which right. is mm-hmm. just which is just making sure that it is part of the fabric of your lives. Right. You know, just knowing that there are gay people and yeah. making sure yeah. that your kid knows gay people. I almost feel like. Um, you you kind of drop it into conversation mm-hmm. in a casual way, like not a whole thing of like, listen, we made your favorite noodles. We have something we have to tell you, mm-hmm. whatever, making a big deal because then that person has an opportunity to to overreact or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think if you if it's if you want to accept that that his sexuality is is natural as anyone else's is, you just sort of mention that he's got a boyfriend yeah. or something. You know, just sort of just talk like use use pronouns when you're talking uh, uh, around. The kid, who, by the way, is growing up in a world where it is normal. Yeah. Or and more this so. Is, anyway. It sounds like a family where they also yeah. want it to be normal. Right. So I, I say go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of in my experience with younger family members is, is it's just sort of like you mention it casually and they'll just be like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Kids these days are pretty – yeah, they're, they're pretty open to it. I think, you know, make sure what uh, the – that the, the older son is all right with it. But I think there would be – when it's just like, uh, oh yeah, your your brother doesn't date girls; he dates boys. Right, yeah. right. And they would just be like, oh okay, yeah. And you know, and and when you're when you're when it's like that, it's just you know, and it's not like we need to sit down and talk about this. I do think that that casually, you know, it it is it is. Um, I, I don't know. I do think that casually, and, and I do think that you're right that we it's it's like oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But I feel like you can make it a big deal without. Needing it to be not a big deal. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Can, you can just you can make a clear point of it while yeah. also making it clear that and in this house that is yeah something that was totally cool and right. We all, you know to me the only reason not to tell a ten year old is because it's you think it's something to shield yeah. people from, which right. uh, obviously she she doesn't. I right. mean, like yeah, my nieces and nephews and, and cousins and all them like they they um, they. Uh, <laughs> like they're trying to get me to play. They were getting me to play this game, Stardew Valley, which I'm in love with. It is the most fun game. It's Stardew so simple. Valley? Stardew Valley. It's it's simple and wholesome, and it's just you. You are this corporate America, like like you know, escapee who uh, inherits a farm, and it's just you like making friends. It's like Animal Crossing or something. It's just a very simple, sweet game. But uh, they have uh, they have same sex marriage in it, oh, wow. and oh, so cool. yeah. So my my. Um, 
you know, so I'll have like, you know, nieces and nephews be like, they, they were kind of being like, you should play this game. You can, you can do this. You can do this. You can get married to a man or to a woman, you know, very clearly, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, and like they this helped me. This is a safe space for you. Exactly. Uh-huh. They helped me, they helped me, you know, they helped me get, uh, get married to one of the, to like the hippie chick in town. Christ yeah. She's, Christ. she's great. There's, it's very much just kind of like. They'll they'll be I found I like I had this also when I babysat kids and they had gay uncles. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, OK, this is yeah. just the way that it goes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. honestly, that might be good advice. Play Stardew Valley. Yeah. Or play kid. a game where where it's sort of like this or yeah, or or it'll be, you know, and uh there's, there's, there'll be stuff like that, you know, when my brothers will be like on TV, be like, do you think she's pretty? And I'll be like, no, she's not really my type, but you know who is blah, blah, blah. And you know, you can, you can do it in a way where it's not, I also think that people think that you have to make it immediately about like sexuality and all this stuff. And that, that stuff, you know, comes later. It's, it's, you can just be be like, oh yeah, no, I find, you know, I think she's pretty. Do you think, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very, it's very – I think the pop culture can also help. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Spark conversation for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of conversations, this was <laughs> a fucking great one. Absolutely Thank you. delightful, Mara Thank Wilson. You. you have uh, an open invitation. Thank you. This was wonderful. I've, I've had such a great time. Thank Good. you so much for being here. Thanks for coming. We want to thank everybody at Earwolf. Oh, boy. Dana Wickens. Oh, Chris Colin Bannon. Anderson, Chris Bannon. Ben Wise for the music. Thank you, uh, Louis Peetzman, for 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 joining us yes, via yeah. voice memo. We're going to force you this expertise uh, into the uh, actual interview when you're in town. Mm-hmm. Thank Always you, Dave welcome. Holmes. Thank you, Matt McConkie. Thank you, Mara Wilson. Where Thank can you tell the people where they can find you? Uh, you can find me at Mara Wilson on Twitter, and you can find my book. Where am I now? Anywhere books are sold. Oh, I also did the audiobook. Yeah, oh, that's a great reason to listen. <laughs> right All right. Uh, happy Thanks, Halloween, everybody. everybody. Boo. Homophilia is brought to you by the hit Showtime comedy series, Shameless. Oh, and Shameless, the Gallagher's are back. The struggle is real. I know, that's right. Everything is real on the South Side. That's oh. where they live life on their own terms, with no exceptions. Well, well how freeing. Sense. Oh, my God. Can you imagine living life just purely on your own terms the it's way the Gallagher's so do? It's so aspirational. It really is. In a way, it is. And you've got that William H. Macy, Emmy Rossum, mm-hmm. all-star cast, all-new season of Shameless on uh-huh. Showtime. Starting November 5th. Hello, everybody. My name is Jensen Karp, and I am the host of a show called Get Up On This right here on the Earwolf Network. We've been doing it for over 300 episodes, so we're celebrating by sitting down with a hip-hop legend, my favorite MC, Wu-Tang Clan founding member, Method Man. That's right. For over an hour, we talk about his music career, songs he's released. We talk about his television uh, appearances from The Wire to the brand new show, The Deuce, and also the debut of Drop the Mic, which is a show that I created and co-executive produced on TBS. It debuts October 20th. 24th at 10.30. It's where celebrities rap battle against each other, and I swear to you, it's better than that sounds. I promise you that. But listen, you could download our episode now at Apple Podcasts or on the Earwolf Network and listen to an engaging conversation, sort of candid. A lot of stuff comes out with literally one of the best rappers in the game still, Method Man. Uh, We hope you listen, and uh, yeah, whatever. Have a good time. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. 
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.